0: Hi, I'm IDG's Tamna McGee, and welcome to the second episode in this, our podcast series with Accenture Cloud Transformed. Today, we've got with us Sarah Moore from NOW and Accenture's media and entertainment industry expert, Andrew McAffer. Welcome, Sarah and Andrew. Good to be here. there.
1: Thank you for the having cl- us.
0: The clues in the title, we'll be discussing the power of data and how businesses that put data at the heart of their strategy will find it's the most potent engine for transformation. We'll also cover how well companies are doing with data more broadly and how consumer brands can do better. Sarah, Andrew, thanks again so much for joining us today. Let's leap into it. Sarah, could you give me an outline of what NOW has accomplished as part of its Cloud Transformation initiative? What exactly was the program, what was the timeline, and what have you achieved?
1: Sure. First of all, hi, Tamlin, and thanks for having me here. So, now we've been completing this cloud program for over two to three years now, and that's everything from defining the strategy, the data strategy, the architecture, all the way through to execution itself. Um, We set out to really achieve three things from a business perspective. We wanted one single version of the truth. Um, It's annoying when you get people quoting different numbers at you and you don't quite know which one's right. We wanted always-on information. Um, We've got a saying in our team, it's about the right time, not real time. It's cheesy as hell. I know it is. However, um, not everyone needs real-time information. In fact, I would say that a lot of the trading teams would go a little bit stir-crazy if you gave them uh, real-time sales information. They wouldn't know what to do. And then the final one was just around the foundation for personalization, uh, making sure that we enabled ourselves and future-proofed ourselves with what we thought we could do in that space, especially around being relevant to the customer. And whilst we were doing that, there was kind of five key principles we had. We wanted everything consolidated, connected, both with the customer touch points, but also with the source systems, traceable, um, so we knew that data lineage, secure, GDPR is a big thing in our world now, and fast. And um, we're pretty much there. We're three territories on the new cloud platform on Google Cloud. Uh, We have our data reporting, our analytics, our data science on it. Uh, We still have more to do. We've got another couple of countries to converge. um, But also, tech is only part of the solution. The culture and the change management of the platform is a big part that we're still looking at.
0: So some really clear guiding principles then, but sounds like quite a bit of work. Um, So with that in mind, I wondered if you could expand a little bit on how uh, strategy really drove the programme. How did you decide which areas to focus on first and why?
1: Yeah, so we started looking at it from a business angle. So the whole reason we did this is OTT, or the streaming areas, is is highly competitive. Um, I don't know if any of you know the Dan Ely which is uh, big data is like teenage sex. Everyone talks about it. No one really knows how to do it. Everyone thinks everyone else is doing it. So everyone claims they are doing it. It's a beautiful quote and it's an in joke in my team. Um, and the reason we say that is because um, in the streaming business, we're competing against Netflix, Amazon Prime, now Disney. And. Um, We kind of look at it as they're the the teenagers, they're the in ones that everyone loved to hate a little bit. So we knew we needed to keep up to speed with the competition. And for us, that really meant being relevant. Content is king in our world. We know that if people aren't engaged with the content that they're watching, the chance of them coming back and repeat using on the platform is very low. Um, So we knew we needed to be relevant with our customers. On the flip side, we also knew that time to action was actually quite slow across now as a business. Some of our information was getting to us two to three days later than the actual time it happened. Um, So we focused on where the real key business processes and and opportunities were. Um, We tried it from a reporting angle, but actually what we soon realized was a lot of that information was the same information across multiple reports. So what we did is we focused on areas, trading, experience, communication, service. And the idea is if we focused on those, actually, we could get the relevant information that the business needed quite quickly. So we definitely compartmentalized the problem. We segmented it up and then we delivered against each of those swim lanes that I've just spoken about.
0: That uh, data democratization piece internally is super interesting to me, and um, we'll, we'll get to some that. We'll get to that a little bit more later. Um, but first, for listeners who may be starting out on their journeys, um, it'd be good to hear some key lessons learned on the way, uh, especially about some more of the nuts and bolts, maybe some of the hurdles around data modeling, uh, and what you learned from these.
1: So I guess there's two learnings that we had along the way. Uh, the first one is that the data model is key. Um, we really started out with a report-based outcome approach. Um, it's what we've done a couple of times across uh, Now and Sky. Um, focus on the key reports that you know the business use, see how you can get quick and easy and tangible outputs for them. What we've realized really, really quickly though, was a lot of that information was used across a suite of different reports, different analysis, etc. cetera. So we coined a term called analytics ready. And the focus was to make ourselves analytics ready rather than report ready. Uh, And the reason for that was um, we knew that it would drive consistent definitions across the teams. Um, Reporting would be done off the same platform. uh, And actually, it's avoided that one pesky little question, which is which numbers right, uh, which every analyst loves to hate. It's actually got so far that that's the name of our data marks and our model now. It's called the analytics ready data model. Um, because we're so focused on getting it right for self-serve, for information, um, that we're not that worried about what reports and what areas it drives. So, that's the first one? Start with your data model, get your consistent definitions in place. Uh, The second one was actually around how we build engagement. So, this was a two to three year program. It's really hard to sustain business interest in data programs for two to three years, Uh, I would actually argue it's somewhat impossible because as soon as you get them excited, they want the information straight away and then you've lost them because you don't have it because there's about two years worth of work that's under the covers that no one sees. Um, So the one learning there is we actually came out of the blocks a little bit too early, I would say. Um, My advice, my learning from it is start slowly, get people brought in, um, but really only integrate and and excite them about two months before you're ready to tell them something Um, because otherwise you, you have a lot of people ready waiting but no information
0: and did you learn that part the hard way oh yes we did (laughs) so of course tech and cloud drives all this stuff but really it's about the uh, business outcome and the insights you can draw from it and how you can help people uh, make use of data within the organization but to do that you've got to improve data literacy and make sure people have access to the right data that's actually going to help them and empower them kind of from that whole ideation to delivery stage Uh, that's obviously a major task so I'm curious to hear how now has attacked this from the cultural side of things
1: Look, I'm I'm quite lucky at now in Sky, I think. I work in a place that's quite data savvy and quite data hungry as a company. Uh, They're always looking for information to kind of help them drive the next um, initiative across the company. So that's the first thing. So the second thing we realized is data literacy is a scale. Not everyone, not even within the same team, uses data to the same level as their next counterpart. In fact, actually, it's an ongoing culture, let's be honest here, because as soon as you've trained someone, if they're not using it daily or even weekly, the chances are they might forget. Um, But also people leave organisations. So you need to make sure that the new joiners get the same level of access and information. Um, And that's a huge undertaking. It means it's an always on culture that you've got across the whole of the team. So we've. I'm not going to say we've cracked it, by the way, but here's a few things that we have done. Um, We've created layers of access rather than kind of ensuring everyone gets everything Um, all the way through from data champions in each of the team and compliance champions because they tend to go hand in hand right now. Um, But then we divvied up access according to whether we thought you were a business user They just want easy access to information that's the right information for them. And honestly, if we can get it to them in a PowerPoint or something that's really easy to use and understand, even better. Then you have the power users. So these ones we classified as report builders. So we're happy to give them access to MARTS information, not necessarily to the underlying data, but enough information that they could actually empower themselves to build out the information, the reports that they needed uh, for their teams. So, for example, forecasting teams, um, specifically in the customer value side, we found this really useful for them to kind of size and determine their initiatives. And then the third area was tech users, um, those who want to get into the detail, those who want to code. We have Access to the Google Cloud environments for them. It's only a really small number of teams that have this. It just makes it easier for us to manage the kind of the data access and the regulations that come with that. Um, but the whole thing that was underpinning this was a community, uh, and this is where the data champions came in. So. Um, I often say to my guys in the world of Uncle Ben uh, from Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility, um, which is I will give access. I will try and make your lives easier with all of this information. But in return, there are lots of things that we need to do to make sure that we're protecting this data on behalf of our customers. So there's a few asks that we have of them as well. And that's with updating kind of definitions, making sure that we've got our lineage correct, but also calling out when actually... We're looking at new initiatives, and actually, we're looking for guidance around how we should use that data.
2: Our research talent shows that 75% of executives across all industries read data, and 63% acknowledge they make data-driven decisions. But only 21% are confident in their data literacy skills, and that's a huge gap. I think we know that education training is only part of the challenge. And those organisations which close the gap properly use programs and and hands-on experience to change ways of working. They change their operating models to put uh, data in the hands of business. And they have leaders who are visible in using their data assets in meetings publicly, showing people how to interpret, make decisions in a
0: data-driven way. Good stuff. So there's a certain responsibility amongst leadership there to kind of uh, pave the way in terms of um, organizational approaches to data as well, would you say, Andrew?
2: Absolutely. I think... In any business, if you look internally at our own business, you know, our leaders drive decisions around finance, around opportunities, around clients using the data and the dashboards that we've got in our cloud tools rather than taking an offline view of the world. And I think that sets the tone that um, in preparing for a discussion and preparing to break down a problem, whether it's a client problem or an Accenture problem, we've got a sense that data is at the core and we're asking the
0: right questions of that data. And I suppose if you can get to a stage where you've got self-serve mechanisms in place, that can really help things along as well. Um, Sarah, my understanding is that is the case at now. I wondered if you could maybe speak a little bit more to that as well. Sure. So
1: I think the lovely thing about this space is people always want more information, right? Um, the challenge is how we surface it in a way that's, number one, easy to find, but also easy to interpret uh, and doesn't cause analysis paralysis because that is a well-known death trap that we often get into. Um, so in now what we've done to try and manage that is we've kind of got this strategy called choose your own adventure. Um, I'm going to make myself sound really old here because whenever I talk about this to my team, there's a uh, bunch of people born in the 90s and they've never heard of these books before. But um, I don't know if any of you when you were kids you used to read these books whereby you didn't know where the plot would go. And at the end of every chapter, you'd get to if you want to follow this part of the book go to page eight. If you want to follow this character, go to page 280. Um, That's essentially what we want our self-serve strategy to be like. We want it to be an easy way for people to navigate, almost like they're navigating the product itself and the UI itself, where they can find easy information that they need and is relevant to them. So we've done that by having kind of a parent-child dashboard relationship within Tableau. Um, The idea is that we've kind of got our key KPI metrics in the parent dashboards, and then you can drill down into them, slice and dice, um, and pull out the relevant information that you need. And it's an ongoing review. We don't want to maintain or build too many. Um, That takes time. It takes effort. But also, we want to make sure there's enough information there that the business feel like they can do their jobs properly. Um, So, an ongoing journey, but that's how we've approached it so far.
0: Mm -hmm. And... In terms of the amount of data that just needs to be crunched, my feeling is that uh, a media organization such as now, but also speaking more broadly in the sector, um, there may be even more data demands, you know, internally and customer facing than in in other sectors. So uh, Andrew, I wonder if you could talk us through your perspective on kind of data-driven cloud strategies in the media industry more broadly. Uh, What are some of the complexities here? What can it tell us about best practice? Uh, What's kind of the state of play at the moment, I guess is my question.
2: Sure. Media and entertainment companies, Tamlin, as you said, have always been data-driven, particularly those that have had an advertising or subscription or consumer background. What we find is the leading organisations really harness their data to move themselves towards a known end state for their business. So organisations are looking to be super content providers or studios, and their goal is to leverage their assets and get the best return on their studios that they can. Or they want to be a super aggregator, i.e. they want to be the preferred gateway for audiences to test and consume content and other services, or they're a more consumer-driven media company where they're offering more than one product, perhaps audio and video, and they're looking to attract and retain different audiences from different sectors. Particularly in the last two, data is a central character, and it provides insights for those organisations to inform product improvements, to improve uh, customer buying journeys, content investments, and marketing. So, Whilst ultimately these media organisations are judged on their growth and their revenue and their ability to onboard audiences and customer lifetime value, at the heart of it is getting the data to make those decisions and drive that growth. Complexities do exist, you're absolutely right. And I think there's two typical complexities we see in the media industry. The first complexity is avoiding being disintermediated from the data that your consumer or your customer is producing. And the second one is that there's a whole new wave of competition the digital natives, that have really created and designed the organisations around the customers and around the data from day one, whilst traditional organisations have to evolve their technology and operating model to put data at the heart of it.
0: And what can these kind of hyper-growth consumer organisations do to better understand the power of data and how it can be transformative? Um, how, how can they do better here Um particularly maybe among those um, more traditional companies that understand the value, but maybe uh, because they're not digital native, got started a little bit later.
2: It's uh, You're absolutely right. And I think if you look at what hyper-growth organisations do, Tamlin, they do one thing really well, which is they relentlessly focus on consumer needs, and in particular, unmet needs. We know from our research that leading companies are twice as likely to say that their number one differentiator is their ability to use data to identify those unmet needs. And I think every organisation uh, can replicate that with the right ethos, approach, and operating model. Gone are the days of year-long segmentation models. Media product managers and strategists need to engage with their data with an experimentation mindset in order to grow their business.
0: And uh, shortly, I'm going to uh, get us all to future gaze a little bit. But uh, before we do that, I'd like to hear both of your thoughts on. Uh, we've covered a, a little bit already, but. Uh, Is there perhaps a a bit of tension between that data democratisation piece, uh, people working within the organisation, even around buy-in, with all of that considered and the growing complexity of cloud and data estates? Um, If I could get both your views on that, that would be really useful, but uh, Sarah, perhaps if you want to go first.
1: Sure. Um, So, yeah, I think there is contention, I think it's healthy though, right? Uh, I think there needs to be contention because it means actually we're using the data and we're using the information that we're provided and and people want more. I think that's always a positive thing in this space. I think the trick comes to around how you manage that in the increasingly complex world, not only of the tech, but also the compliance side of things as well. So it's around finding the right balance so the right people have information that they need to do their jobs without being too... um, draconian, I would say, and saying no. um, And computer says no is an awful term, but hell, it happens. Um, So yeah, it's all about finding the right balance.
2: The tensions, yes, definitely do exist. And I think the complexity of the data estates could limit data democratisation. I'm not sure it's a tension, but I think it's certainly a watch out for anybody embarking on the type of programme that Sarah's just talked about. I think forward-looking organisations uh, are evolving not just their technology when they deliver these programs, but also their ways of working, how they interact with their business, their operating models. And they're evolving the role of central data and technology teams from gatekeepers through to enablers for the rest of the organization.
0: Sounds like to me one of the major wins is being on the cloud and making use of data provided it's tied to business outcomes and you're, you're getting really real insights from it. Um, I'd like to hear a little bit more about successes and kind of understanding what Success could look like for an organization now is obviously an international business. So, how has the program driven efficiencies across regions, Sarah?
1: So, the good news is we're on three territories on our cloud platform now. Yay. Um, we still do have another two to go, so I can't claim all of the efficiencies just yet. Um, but it's been really good, actually. Um, we have a consistent data model. We've already spoken about that. But what that enables is consistent definitions. Um, consistent KPIs and tracking, um, similar reports and visualisation set up, so it's consistent across all of the territories. And those things are hugely helpful for us because actually what it means is that we're able to share information and learnings, importantly, far more easily than we were beforehand. Um, whether that's in our consumer experience, whether that's in kind of our viewing dashboards, how people are watching, how many times they've watched, how many different episodes they've watched. Um, All of those things we know are really critical for us to make sure that that customer remains satisfied, happy, engaged, and therefore continues to use now going forward. Um, Some of the other great things around all of this is that actually it means... We can build things once and deploy multiple times, which has been a huge, huge efficiency driver across the whole of now. And I say now loosely, it's not the same brand in every territory. So uh, forgive me there, but... It does mean that actually when we build out our forecasting models, when we build out our churn models, when we build out our content recs, we can use the same algorithms behind the scenes because it's a consistent data model. And the only thing we need to do is actually train them for the market or the territory we're going to use them in, which actually has a lot of benefits uh, across the teams. So it's been hugely successful. And actually, as I say, we've got another two territories to go, but it's it's a repeating... Um, strategy that we've got going on at the moment to simplify, improve and converge across our different territories.
0: And my understanding is you've worked pretty hard to become an actual platform business as as well now. It sounds that way.
1: Yeah, I I say platform business. It's it's really about making sure that our customers' members um, have access to all of our content, but also that we've got a common set of information around all of them. Uh, And that's whether they're using our cinema product, whether they're using our entertainment product, um, all of those memberships. Essentially, we can track our customers through all of them to make sure that they're getting the best value possible out of the service and the experience that we're offering.
0: Cool. And Andrew, any thoughts on what successes might look like for media companies in particular uh, with regards to cloud and data? Um, I realise that's quite a broad brush question, and it's going to differ depending on the company, but just any high-level thoughts you have there would be really great to hear. Uh,
2: I think, put simply, customer and audience intimacy uh, demonstrates that companies are using data and cloud to the right effect. Now, that's clearly what they use it for, and the value they drive will depend on the particular use case in the industry, but I think demonstrating the understanding that consumers and that they're growing their business as a result of it uh, is, the key, is the key measure.
0: Finally, I'd love to hear both of your views on some future trends. Uh, I guess what is exciting in the years to come in terms of insights and what be you'll be able to do um I feel like we you know we've covered off the here and now quite well, but uh what, what's the future looking like in media in particular? So I think the
1: world is always to right now if I'm being honest um. With the platforms and the cloud processing, we've just unlocked a huge amount of processing power across the across the industry. It's now a question around what we do with it. Uh, and one of the things I'm hugely excited about is how we use this for customer relevance, not just business relevance. I think if you look at the industry, we know so much around how to get a nice report out, a nice piece of insight out, um, polish up some PowerPoint presentations. We're now really stepping into the world of what does the customer want? What does the customer need? And really that's what we should be using this information for, to voice our customers' expectations when they're not naturally going to talk to us. So I think huge amounts of opportunity just around how we use this information across all of the touch points, whether that's in the product itself, whether that's in our shop, our e-commerce journeys, cancellation journeys, across our service and digital estate, All of those areas are places where we can extend the reach and talk to our customers and make sure that what we're doing for them is relevant. Uh, And I think it's just a question of how quickly we can all get there, not just in now, but across the whole industry. Uh, I think that's hugely fascinating right now.
0: Great. Andrew, I wondered if you had any thoughts there as
2: well. I'm super excited about what 5G and Edge together can do for media companies. I think we're going to see some of the early use cases out of that particular technology evolution really offer a number of capabilities and uh, and options for media companies to use mixed reality, virtual reality, augmented gaming in a way that really allows them to offer their consumers and audiences a different, fully interactive experience. But I think they're going to need to use data on two fronts. Firstly, to pick those unmet needs and drive use cases and products that meet those needs to engage new and existing audiences. And the second is those technologies alone will spin off additional amounts of data. And I think in designing those products, they're going to have to think about how they put the consumer and the data at the core of those product designs.
0: Perfect. Thank you both so much for your time today. And thank you to our audience for listening to this podcast. Don't forget to tune in to our next episode to learn more about how cloud is transforming industries. And if you want to learn more, you can visit accenture.com forward slash data analytics.